You know, I've been praying to the Lord to bring all our folks back. Amen. I'm not proselytizing tonight, but <clears throat> tonight we're going to be talking about two gates and two ways. But before we get started in that, I don't know about y'all, but I sure did enjoy last Sunday morning service. You know, this morning I'm supposed to eat turkey bacon. My cardiologist, my cholesterol, and all the other stuff. But I was down, I had some Smithfield bacon. I was sitting there cooking this morning, and I got to thinking about the message last Sunday morning. And I've been thinking about that message, honestly, all week. You know how when we get negative in life, you know, the preacher told us to quit talking about the pigs. And start talking about what the Lord's done in this man's life. You know, it's easy, and we're easy to be prone to talking about the negative stuff in life. So all week I was saying, quit talking about the pigs to myself anyhow, and just think about what God has done. I don't know about y'all, we need a move of God like never before. And this message this morning, I'm sure some folks didn't obey, but I'm sure the Holy Spirit was dealing with their hearts. I want God to move us and to transform us. God's been good to me in this life, things have been good, but they're pale in comparison to what heaven's got for us all. And I'm just looking forward to that. But if you have your Bibles tonight, look with me in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> you know, when you read a book about life, life looks simple, doesn't it? You know, all the how-to books and get-rich schemes and all the other things, it makes it look simple. But when you actually face the facts of life, you find they don't come as easy or simple lines as the book gives them. You know... God has laid out a plan for us. And as Ecclesiastes tells us, there's nothing new under the sun. And if you'll study history and you'll look all around, you find out the devil's been working all these many years. And he's been trying to corrupt God's way, but God's got a way. And he tells us it may come in different forms and fashion, but ultimately the basic plan is God's way is the only way to receive his blessings. But Matthew chapter 7 Verse 13 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. And because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for all that you've done in our lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord, how you've transformed, you've done things for us, Lord. And it's so easy to focus on the negative. It's so easy to look at how things aren't working out. When if we look at your word, we realize that life is tough. And in this life, there's going to be many sorrows and many difficulties. But God, you've showed us through your word that if we'll trust you and we'll go the narrow way, and we'll tr hold on to you, Lord, that God, you're going to make a way of escape. And that we've got a blessing and we've got a future that this world can't understand. And though the world and science and schooling and everything else tries to tell us that there's no God and there's no heaven, Lord, we know in our spirits that there is a God in heaven. Because every one of us has been touched by your presence. We've been touched by your miracles. Father, we love you and we thank you and we ask you these next few moments. As we look at the word, Lord, may you look in our hearts and examine us, O oh God. And lead us in the right way that we may go and do what you've called us to do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, without Christ, there's an unbridgeable gap between the ideal and the actual. The only way out is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. As we heard this morning, you know, Jesus is the way. Jesus has called us to salvation. He's called us to sanctification. He's called us to walk in the Spirit. 
and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, the preacher and I was talking this evening. You know, we need a move of God like never before. You're not just in the Pentecostal church, the church of God, the Baptist, all the churches. Because we truly are living in the days where there's the great falling away. And just watching politics, you know, that's just, you know, we, a lot of times we try to ignore those things, but that's just the underlying symptoms of what's going on in our world today. You know, I wish to God that he would, he would save us all, amen, sanctify us. And that the bitterness and the wickedness and the division that's in this world. But the enemy knows that his time is coming up soon. And I was picking with Dole this morning. I need him to keep walking at Walmart because I need him in 20 years for a wedding. And I hope he's still here. But, you know, I'm not so sure any of us are going to be here the way things are going. Amen? But, you know, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, he's talking to the people. You know, the world is saying, go this way. Let's do this. And, you know, the underlying, it looks like everybody's love. Let's just be acceptance. Let's just love and care for one another. And that's what Jesus is. He did call us to love people and to care for people. But he told us to draw the line at compromise. And unfortunately, so we don't look like we're mean and mean-spirited, we just kind of started compromising our standards. And Jesus said it's narrow the way that leads to life. And it's hard to find that way. But broad is a way that leads us to destruction. You know, I've said in my life, and you know, I don't like conflict. But you know, sometimes you're going to have conflict. Sometimes you've got to stand up for what you believe. And as I've said oftentimes, you know, we, you need to know what you believe. Amen? Not what the IPH says, but what do you believe in your heart of hearts? Where are you walking? Where are you moving? If you were faced before a council or a judge and you had to choose life to keep on living or death, what would you choose? Would you choose to stand for Christ? Because, you know, we say, well, that's not coming to America, but it's all over the world now. Other countries are facing this and they're struggling with this, but they're choosing Christ over their own this fleshly time. Because Christ said our troubles are momentarily. This life is but a vapor. You know, I'm almost 50 now. Took a couple more years, I'll be a half century old. I don't see how I got there that quick. Oh, Joe, he's three quarters of a century. He don't look that old at all. Y'all laugh, y'all getting older too, amen? Life is short. When you stand before the Lord one day, what are you going to offer? I'm thankful that what the preacher said this morning, we're justified by faith. But because I'm justified, because of my faith, I'm going to have good works and I'm going to do the right thing. Amen? Do you realize that the salvation of God not only saves us from hell, but it also alters our actual lives? Contrary to the, the, the prosperous gospel that if you hear out there, the false gospel... But, you know, a real relationship with Jesus Christ does change us. And it does prosper us. Not, on the, not necessarily in the monetary things, but the things that matter. He gives us joy. He gives us peace. Ultimately, He gives us hope in this world. As Proverbs 13 and 15 says, The way of the unfaithful is hard. 
Matthew 23 says, how can you escape the damnation of hell? You know, the way of the transgressor is hard. We look at them right now, we're struggling in life. The Christians look at the struggle. And we look at the transgressors and like, well, everything's going well for their lives. They're wealthy, everything seems to be going, the family seems to be going well. But the Bible says one day we're all going to give an account. Amen. For the Christian, God won't allow you to go astray without much difficulty. Anybody ever been saved or been walking with God, then you decide to do your own thing? You know, I shared a while back, I tried to do my own thing. It didn't work out. And it's costly, it's expensive. And a lot of errors and a lot of ways when you try to walk up in the ways that God told you not to walk. Amen. Aramaeus said it took the sharp sword of a sorrow, difficulties of every description, heartbreaks and dis- disenchantments to bring him to the place where he saw Jesus as the altogether lovely one. This evening I wonder, when you think about Jesus, you hear the name of Jesus, what do you think? What do you experience? You know, when I first started, the first time I seen this young lady with a banana clip in her hair, a long, long time ago, I was like, I got to meet that lady. But then after that, I said, well, maybe this is out of my league. If y'all don't know, I end up marrying her. But you know, the thing about that is, and hadn't much changed, is something about being with her and being around her. It's the same way with our relationship with Jesus Christ. When you love someone, you care about someone, you're going to be with them. Amen? You're going to know everything about them. You're going to know the words. Back in the day, this was before texting and email. You know, we used to write each other letters. And it wasn't nothing like when I was at college getting a letter and just reading and hanging on every word. And my kids said, Daddy, you weird. Which, probably so. I've been told that more than one. I still got a lot of those letters. Because there's something about it. And as much as I love my wife, and then them kids come along, it's even better. And then my dog came along, that's even, you know, it's not quite as bad, but you know, it's a different. <laughs> Edit that part, Brother Mike. But you know, as much as all of that is, my relationship with Jesus Christ is more than anything else. Because he's the one that changed me. He's the one that put me on the path, putting the right people in my life. Opening doors and closing doors. Doing things in my life that I don't even know that he done for me. And I'm not special. He's done it for all of us. Amen. Even before I was saved, God was orchestrating a plan. Because how did I know that a long time ago when I was born in Columbus, Georgia, 1971, I never thought in a million years I'd end up in Stoneville, North Carolina. But you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things that happened to get me here. And I thought it was just, oh, me, look at all the troubles that's in my life. But after the Lord saved me in 1990, in December 11th, 1990, I realized that God was orchestrating a plan. And he's putting things into place. Even when you're not saved, amen, he knew me. Hallelujah. As Jeremiah said, even in our mother's womb, he knew us. And he had plans to prosper us and not harm us. Amen. God's got a purpose for each and every one of us. And God wants us to get hungry for him. Quit being excited about the things, the temporary things of this world and start being excited about Him. Start hungering and thirsting after Him again. Start seeking Him again. 
You want to see things turned around. You want to see things transformed. Get a hold to God and start seeking His face. Amen? You know, there's the broad way of reasonable self-realization. But the only way to a personal knowledge of eternal redemption is straight and narrow. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, He says, I am the way. He's not one of the ways, but He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one enters in but by me. No one can see the Father. No one can have access. No one can be justified except through me. You know, there's a difference between salvation and discipleship. You know, the first thing we look at this evening is all noble things are difficult. I've realized anything in life that's worthwhile, it, it's tough. And I tell my kids in school, you know, sometimes you struggle. Sometimes it's hard to get to a place where you need to go, but I found out I struggle, it seems like, in everything I do. But I realized as long as you keep going, as Paul says, I just kept press on. I keep going towards the mark. And as long as you keep going, eventually you attain those goals. But the great thing about God is once you attain one goal, He's got something else for you. And He's going to keep pressing you on. You're going to realize that, hey, I can do something through Christ. I can overcome through Christ. You know, our Lord warns that the devout life of a disciple is not a dream, but a decided discipline that calls for the use of all our powers. That's the thing we don't use sometimes. You know, I've said before about technology. There's so many things about computers and phones that we don't even realize we can do. And you know, us older folks, we don't care nothing about that stuff. But once your teenage kids start teaching how to use stuff, you realize, how do I do without it? Amen? God's got that power for us. The things that He has got, we can't even imagine. It says nothing. Explanation point. When problems come, when situations come, nothing is impossible. Amen? Amen. There's nothing that we can't do, we can't attain through the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, you know, I've heard folks say, and you know, going back talking about the pigs, I've heard negative things. Well, may, we're never going to be like we was. I hope we're not. Amen? Amen? Because God's got so much more for us and so much better. And we got to get in our vocabulary that nothing is impossible to him who believes or her. Amen? You know, no amount of determination can give me the new life of God. That is the gift. Where the want to go to school? Amen? You ever thought about that? I don't want to go to the doctor that didn't want to go to school. I don't want no military serving me or protecting me that's never had any training. You know, my, my oldest daughter, she's determined she's going in the Air Force and we're not going to change her mind. So, you know, that's... But one thing about it is she has to get up at 4 o'clock every Monday and Wednesday. And she has to drive to Greensboro to go to ROTC training every, every Monday and Wednesday. And she said, Daddy, my legs feel like jello." And she has to work and she has to run. She has to do all these things. And she has to learn all these things. But it's all for a goal to be attained one day. Because when we train and when we learn and we learn to do all those things that Paul says, you know, physical is just for temporary. 
But he says, the physical training is temporary. He says, but the spiritual is for eternal values. That they tell us the reason they do training for first responders in every field that's necessary. That all the intense training is so when it happens, when a crisis comes, you're ready. I wonder how we'd be as Christians if spiritually we was training like a crisis would come in any moment. I don't know if y'all realize that, this or not, but we're living in a strange world. And it's not the people. I pick on the people about being, but it's not the people. It's the devil and his cohorts. The Bible tells us we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against principalities of the air. And we're struggling and we're, we're fighting this thing. But you know, the Bible says, Jesus says, if you'll be more than just a, a casual follower, if you'll be more than just a spectator, he said, if you'll get involved and you become a real disciple and you become committed to this thing, he says, you'll have power. That you can overcome anything that the enemy says. I don't know if y'all remember the bishop preached a sermon years ago and he's talking about we still got the keys. Amen. And he was up there on that corner shaking the keys. Christ said he'd give the keys to the kingdom to us. Amen. We've got the keys to unlock and to shut up. We've got the keys where people can be delivered. But we've got to get connected. We've got to get through training. Amen. Do you realize that God will not make you walk in the light? We must do it. And when we do realize that God has given us the power to walk. Faith comes by walking. Amen. Faith comes by stepping out and then the results happen. But you know, we're kind of older now, aren't we? You know, we're kind of more, we've done our time. You know, we kind of want to relax a little bit. But God says, as long as we're living, we've got something to do. Amen. Amen. Philippians 2 and 12 says, work out your salvation. with fear and trembling. He didn't say we got to earn our salvation. He said, because we say we're going to work out our salvation. You got to figure out what you believe, why you believe it, and how you're going to use it. Amen. Your salvation is we got to work at it every day. You got to learn that your salvation, that your relationship with Jesus Christ has to be interwoven with everything that you do in the life. Amen. You know, we don't just go to work and punch in and forget about Jesus. But we got to learn to mingle Jesus in everything we're doing. And I ain't talking about you got to go through the factories or wherever you're at holding the Bible and hollering at people and telling them they're going to hell or nothing. You ain't, I ain't talking about that, but I'm talking about your decisions, your attitude. Everything you do has got to be mingled in with Christ Jesus. Amen? And you know, the more you keep doing that, the more and you just keep on, you know, to become a part of you. Amen? We don't just get saved and all of a sudden we just cleansed, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, just living on, on the mountain. Look at our, the disciples. They kept going through some problems, didn't they? But Jesus kept dealing with them. He'd get irritated with them and say, how much longer? How much longer are you going to stagger between two opinions? How much longer are you going to live in the world and try to be in church too? Because narrow is the way that leadeth unto eternal life. Amen. You know, it's a noble and a difficult life that God wants to serve him, though. Another thing we look at tonight is my utmost for his highest. My very best for his highest. I was in a graduate school years ago with a, a black gentleman from Michigan, and, you know, I asked him, I said, why is it when y'all have church, all your people dress in these colorful suits and the very best, and it just seemed like y'all just going all out 
He says, when you go see the president, you're going to dress accordingly, aren't you? Think about that. He said, how much more important is the king of kings, the king of glory? Amen. And I'm not saying you got to wear your suits, but I'm just saying, what's your attitude when you come in this place? Amen. Are you coming in here and say, oh, just another service. Oh, I just want to hurry up and get it over with so I can go home. I did say on the sign today, but rib is back, so we got to hurry up. Amen. Where is, your, where is your heart at in all of this? You know, God demands our utmost in working out when he has worked in us. Amen. Christ paid it all. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit touched our hearts, he saved us, he cleansed us. Amen. Now he just wants to sanctify us. And he wants to fill us with that spirit. And he wants to walk in that spirit. And he wants us to have those keys. You know, folks that's, on, that's abound by drugs, folks drown, bound by alcohol, so many other things. We've got the keys, church. I was bound in some things a long time ago that the doctors couldn't help me with and folks couldn't help me with. You know, psychology couldn't help me. But when the Holy Ghost got a hold of me, it helped me. Amen. And God transformed my life. And I've never been the same since. That's what God wants us to realize. We can do nothing towards our redemption, but we must do everything to work it out in actual experience on the basis of our regeneration. It requires discipline to live the life of a disciple in actual things. Y'all look with me at John chapter 13. John 13, verse 3. And Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Verse 14. He says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly I say unto you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I don't know about y'all, but, you know, the idea of washing feet and everything, we've got to humble ourselves, don't we? That's the thing about being saved. You've got to humble yourself. That's why a lot of people can never be saved, because they can't humble themselves. They won't allow themselves to be humbled. They, folks, you're not going to tell them what to do. But God says we've got to be willing. Jesus says he was the master. He was the savior of the world. And he went. Nobody would wash anybody else's feet. So Jesus rose up and went got a towel on a basin and began to wash people's feet. And you know, Peter says, Lord, you're not washing my feet. He said, Lord, Jesus told himself, I can't wash your feet. Then you can't enter my kingdom. It wasn't about that Jesus, that Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet. He just, he didn't want to be, face that humbling situation. You know, I wonder what we'd do if we had to have foot washing. If we announced it. I guarantee services, a lot of folks have a reason somewhere to go, wouldn't it? You know, when I was in Bible college, we did a foot washing. I'll be honest with you, I thought, I in the world am I going to get out of this? And lo and behold, I ended up having to wash somebody's feet that we didn't see eye to eye on things. You know, even in a Bible college, 
But you know, the Lord done something in that situation. God wants us to go somewhere. He's got plans. He's got purposes for us. He's got something greater than our earthly things. Amen? But we've got to be willing to humble ourselves. We've got to be willing to lay ourselves down and let God have his way in our lives. You realize it took God incarnate to do the ordinary, menial things of life rightly. And it takes the life of God in us to use a towel properly. Are you doing your best for God? Are you your utmost, your very best? Are you living your life your very best for God? You know, it's so easy that the world seems like the, the gospel is so easy and it looks like it's just something that, you know, we can just be saved and just kind of live our life and we don't really have to change anything. But when God saves you and gets a hold of your life, you got to start changing some things. Amen? You can't keep doing like you was doing. When the Lord saved me, I had some things. I had, to, I had my, some things in my closet I had to clean out. I had to get rid of. I had some attitudes I had to change. And that was the hardest thing, my attitude my mouth. I don't know if you notice, sometimes I get stick my foot in my mouth. But, you know, that's the way life is. But Jesus says, you know, and you know, we kind of say, well, that's just the way so-and-so is. But, you know, God says he come to save us so we won't keep doing what we was doing. Amen? He came to transform us and to renew us, that we could be a sweet savor, a sweet aroma to the world around us. Because we live in a stinking world, amen? And they need something sweet smelling. They need the Spirit of God. Because a lot of folks, they're never going to experience the presence of God unless we live in like we ought to be living, amen? Because if you walk in the Spirit, people's going to notice. You know, I remember, the, I think about the book of Acts, you know, Peter, after he got the Holy Ghost, that he was walking and his shadow would fall on people and people was healed. That same power is still real and relevant today. God had not changed. God ain't moved the goalpost. I ask ourselves tonight, where are we done? Because I'll be honest with you, it's easy to shrink back. But the Bible says that God will have no part in those that shrink back. Amen? You know, this is redemption being actually worked out in experience. And we can do it every time because of the marvel of God's grace. John 14 and 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Are you keeping God's commandments tonight? Are you walking according to his word? I asked you a few weeks ago, when's the last time you really picked up the word? When's the last time you looked at the word? You know, I got a little ritual, and it's not just something religious, but it's something that's always been beneficial in my life. Dr. Benson told me a long time ago at Holmes Bible College, he said, read a chapter of Proverbs every day. He said, transform your life. The only problem is, it seems like sometimes when I read it that day, I encounter some of those things. And the flesh and the ego says, I want my way. But God says, keep your mouth shut. And God tells me how to do this, what to do, not to do it, in His Word. And you're walking according to His Spirit. He's going to lead you in the right direction. It's a glad thing. It's a holy thing. But it's a difficult thing that tests us for all we're worth. Hebrews 2 and 10 says, Jesus says unto us, bringing many sons to the glory. And He will not shield us from any of the requirements of sonship. 
I don't know if y'all have ever been around father and son duos when they working together. My wife said if I'd had sons, I probably couldn't have handled it. Because, you know, sometimes you work around fathers, they're a little bit rough on the sons. But they know it's a hard life. And if you're going to get somewhere and you're going to accomplish what you need to, you can't just let them go through life tiptoeing through the tulips. Amen? And that's what God allows us to in our life. He allows adversity. He allows struggle. He allows the turmoil. But the assurance that we have is because we've been become sons of God. And we have the assurance that no matter what, there's nothing that the enemy can throw at us that God says, I'm not already equipped you to handle. So in any circumstance, any situation, we don't need to become overwhelmed by it. Because God's going to handle it. Amen? No, God's got all of this right now. As the Bible says, you know, God's got it all in his hands already. Amen? In the midst of the chaos around the world, I don't know if y'all seen the new nuclear stuff that uh, China's got. You know, it can travel 90-some hundred miles and do all these different things. And it's got all these test missiles that fly off. So it just it messes up our missile defense system. And it can reach certain cities and within 30 minutes of America. That doesn't trouble me. Because that tells me we're getting ready to go out of here. Amen. And that tells me that God's already got a plan and God's got a purpose. But what it ought to be telling people is you better get ready. Amen. Amen. You know, Jim Bucker on TV, he's selling his food packs right now. So in case something happens, you can got your food pack. That don't make sense to me. Because if you're going to be raptured, you don't need no food pack. Amen. Because we're not going to be here during the tribulation. We're not going to be here through all the struggles. Because God says he's going to take us out of here before the hour of trial. If you're ready. Amen. If you're not ready, maybe you better get some of them food packs. I hope you get ready. Amen. Do you realize at times God will tell us to say to the devil in the world, do you worst? Because 1 John 4 and 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Thank God he does give us difficult things to do. Paul tells Romans 12 and 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Are you presenting anything to God today? Do you have anything to offer? You know, when I was growing up in the Baptist church, they always talked about your crowns. What are you going to have to offer? What do you have to offer God tonight? When you stand before God one day, what's He going to say to you? And I'm hearing the third thing we look at is a strong heart to a steep hill. The Christian life is a holy life. Never substitute the word happy for holy. Beware of the idea so prevalent today that a Christian must always be happy and bright and keep smiling. That is preaching merely the gospel of temperament. Let's be face it. Some days we just don't feel good, do we? And the older we get, we got more aches and pains that we didn't know we had. But I thank God my relationship, my joy is not based on my circumstances. But my joy is based on something on the inner that I can't explain. As the Bible says, that by the bowels and mercies of God. You know, I've got joy. I've got hope. And it don't matter what the doctor says. It don't matter what the world says. Because I've got a hope today. And my hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 says, Jesus, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take his yoke, amen? It seems difficult to put on the yoke of Christ, but as soon as we do put it on, everything becomes easy. Happiness and joy are part of us, but they're not, our, are not, excuse me, they're not part of our aim. They're, but the narrow gate. You know, Jesus will, when you read, least expect it, shower that hundredfold on your life. You ever thought about what God's doing in your life? Do you even give God a thought anymore? Because you know, we're so blinded and we're so, we're so busy and we've got so much going on and we're just in a hurried pace. We're in that hamster wheel going around and around and around, not getting anywhere. Have you thought about God? Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters, Amen. He ought to be the first part of the day and he ought to be what we think about at the end of the day. Because if you'll give him the first part and at the end, you know what? He's going to take care of everything in between. And he's going to work it out and he's going to make a way. You know, in order to keep a stout heart to those steep hills of life, watch continually against worry coming in. John 14 1 says, let not your heart be troubled. He didn't say sometimes, but he said, let not. It's a command. He says, don't be troubled. Don't worry. Because worry is sinful. Because when you begin to worry, you're saying, I can't trust you, God, to take care of me. When you're worrying, you're saying, I don't believe your word. All I can tell you, when you're paying your tithes as God instructs us to, your part that he says for you to do, you don't have anything else to worry about. But I will tell you, the 90% he lets you keep, you better be smart with it. Amen? If you'll read Proverbs, he'll, he'll tell you all about that too, how to take care of your money. Because foolishness is chasing after fantasies. It'd be like a bird that takes wings. You fly away into nothing. You know, the devil gets credit for a lot of things and failures in our life. But the ordinary steep difficulties of daily life, daily food, clothes, situations, our mouths get us into, me anyhow. I don't know about y'all. You know, a lot of times the words we in our life, a lot of problems of our own doing. Just like with little children, when you tell them not to do certain things, and they do it anyhow, there's consequences. Jesus said, this is the narrow gate. This is the narrow way. There's a, what? There's a highway of holiness. He said, walk there in it. Don't go to the left, don't go to the right, but walk there in the way. And he says, and when you walk that way, he says, you don't have anything to fear. Because of all the stresses and all the difficulties, everything that comes your way, he says, you are overcome through it all. Mark 4, 19 says, the cares of this world, they choke the word. We all have had times when the little worries of life have choked God's word in our life and blotted out his face from us. It's weakened our spirits and made us sorry and humili humiliated before him. But God says, don't keep doing it. Amen. John 16, 33 says, Sister Rhonda, if you'd come. In the world you would have tribulation. But be a good cheer. I have overcome the world, and you will overcome it too. Amen. Enter by the narrow gate. We can only get to heaven and to the Father through Jesus, and no other way. If we could, let's stand. What gate are you trying to go through tonight, I wonder? What other ways are you trying to get to God or try to get to accomplish things in life? You know, if you go through the scriptures, 
and we've got needs and we've got things in our lives that we want to accomplish and things we want to do. But sometimes God tells us no, so we try to do something a different way. Or we think God is delayed, so we just try to go and help Him alone. Look at Abraham and Sarah. The greatest example of not waiting on God. And because of their not trusting God and not waiting long enough, we have the nation of Islam to deal with. And we're all struggling because of it. Our sins, our unbelief, our un- lack of faith, it, the consequences affect a lot of people. Amen? Tonight, come around this altar. I don't know your hearts and your lives. Y'all are all pretty good folks to me. Y'all are nice to me anyhow. But honestly, come around this altar and ask the Lord what's standing in the way of us getting to a place where we need to be with Him. Amen? Because we need a radical move of God like never before. Amen.